0: Good evening, everyone. We are going to continue our series in Galatians tonight. As you've heard the Bible reading, we're looking at Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to the end, to verse 24. Um, I just want to give a little bit of background and then we'll jump in. Before we do that, let me lead you in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for the opportunity we have now to, again, meet together online, to open your word and to talk about it and to think about it and to respond to it. Lord, we simply ask that you might open our eyes and our hearts to receive truth and for our lives to be shaped by it. Help us to hear and do that which you say, we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. The Apostle Paul, who is the author of the book of the Galatians, will tell us in chapters one and two of Galatians, particularly some autobiographical material, which is very helpful. Uh, Let me just give a quick outline and fit Galatians into that timeline and link some of it with Acts and talks about the Judaizers who came to disturb these Christians in the province of Galatia and then we'll work through this passage together. Uh, The Apostle Paul is obviously, we know, converted on the way, the road going to Damascus by meeting the Lord Jesus, confronting him, dramatically converted, goes into Damascus for a very short time, gets healed and prayed for gets baptized and then pretty soon afterwards heads off to arabia not saudi arabia but to the wilderness area Nabataea, which was called arabia in the ancient world uh, just to the east of damascus and not sure of exactly the location and then after about a period of three years he returns to damascus it's like completing a full circle it's the very place where he started to preach. He returns there and the Jews are very cranky with him. In Acts chapter 9, they tell us that there's an assassination attempt and they let him down through the wall at night in a basket and he heads down to Jerusalem. And Paul's going to talk about that in this chapter. Um, When he got to Jerusalem, Acts chapter 9 tells us that the Christians there in Jerusalem, the saints in Jerusalem, didn't trust him. They didn't believe he was really a disciple of the Lord Jesus. They thought maybe it was some sort of trick because he wanted to arrest them and persecute them and get rid of them. But Barnabas uh, takes Paul, the Apostle Paul, and introduces him, Acts 9.27 says, to the apostles. And Galatians 1 tells us, well, in fact, it's one apostle, Peter, and another person who became an apostle um, with James. Uh, of A different sort of an apostle, but they're the two apostles that he met and he names them um, after a period of time there, ministering in Jerusalem, uh, he is then escorted out and he returns to his uh, to Tarsus, his hometown, where he's there for a period of time, maybe anything for five, ten years, a period of time. And then he, Barnabas comes and finds him again and takes him back to Antioch in Syria, where they have a significant ministry in the church. And from there, Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit calls Saul and, or Paul, and Barnabas, and they go on their first missionary journey. And you can see uh, there's a map, and it's got various colours. The red line is the indication from Antioch all the way across to Cyprus, and then Pamphylia and Pisidia, and that's the first missionary journey the Apostle Paul went on. You can see the yellow section of the map is Cilicia. That's where Tarsus is. And the green area in the middle, that's actually the province of Galatia. That's where the Apostle Paul is writing this letter too. He's writing, this is disputed, but I think he's writing to the churches that he had visited in the southern part. If you have a look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, Peter addresses the Christians in this similar area, but I think to the north. He talks about Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, and Asia and Bithynia, that's those same sections on this map, but as I said, to the north. Well, Paul had done the first missionary journey, started the church, had returned to Antioch, and is having again some significant ministry there. And then they hear that some Judaizers, people who were Jewish by background, who had become followers of Jesus, but who wanted to mix the two, they felt that just by accepting Jesus and having faith in him was not enough. You also, if you were a Gentile, you had to be circumcised, not just baptised, but also circumcised, and you had to keep the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, if you wanted to be a true disciple. Um, This attitude persisted for some time, and Paul is going to write this letter to correct this in the churches. But even after he writes this letter and... um, several years later in Acts chapter 15 and verses 1 and 2 it says that certain people came down from Judea to Antioch Antioch in Syria and were teaching the believers unless you are circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses you cannot be saved this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them so Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders and to talk about this question. That attitude of Judaizers, Pharisees, becoming Christians but not abandoning um, their reliance upon an outward demonstration or obedience to the Mosaic law. And these people had followed the Apostle Paul around to the churches that he had started um, and as we know the apostle paul was converted he was a pharisee who dramatically gets converted by confrontations from the lord jesus and he sees the emptiness the shallowness the the absolute futility of trying to be saved by keeping the law read philippians chapter 3. Um, and so he had walked away from that but these other pharisees hadn't and they followed paul up by spreading rumors about him saying things like that paul while he's an apostle he's not part of the original 12 he never met the risen lord jesus before his ascension and so he can't be a true apostle Um, acts chapter 1 verse 21 and 22 talks about after judas had uh, committed suicide that they gathered together and said we need to replace him and they gave certain qualifications you needed to. Um, lived with the Lord Jesus for the three years from the time of John the Baptist and have seen him in his resurrection, and so on. Well, Paul didn't meet those qualifications, and that's what they argued. He Therefore, is not a true apostle. At best, he's a second-hand apostle, they would argue. Um, he was somebody sent out by the churches, not by the Lord himself. Um, they surmised incorrectly um, that while he spent a lot of time in Jerusalem under the teaching of Gamaliel, He did not spend much time in jerusalem when he became a christian under the teaching of the 12 apostles as he will show us Um, they said that paul was perverting the true gospel that he was a traitor to the jewish faith that he compromised or watered down uh, the requirements for the gentiles to be saved paul was more into people pleasing than he was into being faithful and presenting the truth these are the sorts of rumors that they were spreading about paul to undermine his ministry and to undermine the faith of The Christians in Galatia, the evil one, Satan, continues to do those things today. He'll discredit the messenger. He'll seek to distort the message, all with a view to deceiving and eventually destroying. He'll either twist the scriptures to make it say or mean something that it doesn't in fact mean, or they'll add to it, or they'll remove from it. In this case, these Judaizers, these false teachers, were seeking to add to the gospel and whenever we see that the alarm bell should go off for, go off for us we are saved by faith in jesus alone not jesus and something else so paul needs to address these issues and in this chapter verses uh, 11 to 24 he's going to tell us about the origin of his gospel where did it come from he's going to remind us of some of his background um, and there's a good reason for why he's doing that talk about his conversion and he'll talk about the events that happened after his conversion and all of these these responses in fact are replies to these false charges that have been circulated about him the point is that paul is an authentic apostle trained and called by the lord jesus himself for three years just like the original 12 were trained for three years so the apostle paul had almost three years in arabia Under the personal tuition of the Lord Jesus and so he's an authentic Apostle with the authentic message the gospel of grace so let's work our way through this passage in verse 10 the Apostle Paul addresses this issue of being a people pleaser that he waters down the gospel he says very clearly am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God am I trying to please people if I was still trying to please people then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ You can't serve God and mammon. You can't seek to please people and seek to please God. You can't have two masters. That's what he's arguing. And he's clearly denying their charge that he is a people pleaser. In fact, the Apostle Paul is completely sold out. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says that we make it our ambition to please him, to please and honour the Lord Jesus. Second reply the Apostle Paul gives us in verse 11 and 12. those together he said the gospel wasn't invented i didn't make it up and nor did i inherit it nobody told me about it no i didn't get it from any other human source he says i want you to know brothers and sisters that the gospel that i preach is not of human origin it's not invented by any man not invented by me it's not based on human reasoning or human thought in fact it's not even in harmony with human ideas it's absolutely not man-made it's the opposite of the way we think all of the religions of the world can be summarized in one word do you have to do something you have to become something you have to achieve a certain standard or do certain tasks do and then it leads to pride and self-righteousness and you know competing with others thinking we are better than others christianity on the other hand can be summarized in the one word done It's not based on what we do, it's based on what Christ has done for us. His death on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, his resurrection from the dead, declaring his innocence and completing our salvation. Do versus done. The gospel is not man's idea, it's not man-made. The gospel is not man's good news about God. The gospel is God's good news for man. It's from him or uh, verse 12, chapter 1, he says, neither did I receive it, nobody told me about it, and nor did uh, anybody teach me uh, about it. And if you think about, as we'll come to in a minute, his background, that makes complete sense. Who would want to talk to the Apostle Paul who was arresting and uh, putting in jail and even voting to kill any Christian who named the name of Jesus? You wouldn't go near him, and people didn't. So the Apostle Paul is declaring the gospel that he is preaching came directly by revelation from Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus took the Apostle Paul and took him off to Arabia where he taught him the leading truths and facts of the gospel Paul alludes to that in 1 Corinthians 15 when he writes years later now to the Corinthian church and he says for I passed on to you that which I received who did he receive it from well I think he received it from the Lord The Lord Jesus revealed to him, like he did to the two on the Emmaus Road, how the Scriptures predicted the coming of the Messiah and the Messiah's death and resurrection. Um, So Paul writes that Christ um, was crucified according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he rose again according to the Scriptures. Um, So Paul was taught by the Lord Jesus. Verses 13 and 14, he talks about, his background so where did my gospel come from direct revelation from God what was I doing when this revelation came to me he says for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism when would they have heard about that I think when he was preaching to them on his first missionary journey part of his gospel presentation was him sharing his story his background and he says that he Intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Intensely persecuted. He was violent, he was savage, and it was continual. There seemed to be no limit to how cruel he could be. And it wasn't partial and it wasn't spasmodic, it wasn't intermittent. He was overflowing with zeal for his beliefs being a Pharisee in Judaism motivated by hatred hatred of he thought Jesus would have been an imposter and he thought Christians were liars and deceivers Um, and so he was doing everything he could to stamp out this dreadful distortion and curse Um, before I go on here is not a bad example the Apostle Paul is setting us that whenever we are questioned about what we say about Jesus as the Apostle Paul has been that you tell people your story you tell them how you met jesus how you became a follower of him of what your life was like before and how he changed you it's a powerful tool for the gospel paul is a living and walking example of god's amazing grace if you look at the book of acts you'll see the sorts of things that he did violently Um, he went from house to house he dragged off men and women he would bind them he would throw them into prison he would vote the death penalty uh, when it came to a decision. Went into synagogues and if he found Christians, he punished them. He tried to force them to blaspheme the name of Jesus. He hunted and pursued Christians like they were animals or like criminals. And in fact, in Acts chapter 9, when he goes to Jerusalem for the very first time, the churches were afraid of him. Three years later, they didn't believe he was a disciple, as I said before. Imagine the Apostle Paul, after Barnabas taking him and attending a worship service, a Christian church, and having communion. And at the communion or in the church service that day, there are widows and orphans. And they are widows and orphans because of him, because he has removed their partner or their parents. It would have been a very humbling experience for him. And he was completely transformed by God's grace to him that he had been so violently opposed to the gospel, yet God saved him, as he'll say in a moment. The Apostle Paul was a thoroughgoing Jew. He wasn't hypocritical. He wasn't pretending. He was totally sold out. Uh, He did everything. Circumcision, he kept the Sabbath, all of the ritual washings and temples and festivals and citing the Shema and attending the synagogue. He was religious. He was passionate. He was zealous. He was a fanatic. And verse 14 tells us, in fact, he was advancing in Judaism beyond his peers. He was advancing beyond those who were studying with him at the feet of Gamaliel. He was advancing beyond them in the way that he observed and obeyed the law. A Jewish scholar has researched and said that before AD 70, um, 341 rules had been added to the oral law that had been passed down generation by generation. 341 more rules to the 613, that are already there in the Book of Moses, in the Pentateuch. So that's 954 rules. And the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter three that he kept them blameless. He was totally sold out. In fact, he says in verse 14, was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers Um, not zealous for the scriptures, not zealous for the word of God, but for the traditions. They attached greater importance to these minutia, these minor details than they did to the actual written laws. And everything seemed to be going Paul's way. He was being successful. He was rapidly being recognized as a spiritual leader in Israel. But in verse 15, God intervenes. As he's going to Damascus with letters to arrest and do harm to the Christians who are meeting in Damascus the Lord Jesus confronts him the Apostle Paul was saved not in Judaism he wasn't saved by Judaism but he was saved from Judaism the Apostle Paul writes beautifully in verses 15 and 16 that God chose me before my birth but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult with any human being. God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son both to me but also in me. God chose me. God set me apart. God called me. God revealed his son to me. The Apostle Paul looks back on his life and can see the hand of God at work that was preparing him to be a preacher to Gentiles. All of the political and historical circumstances that surrounded and preceded him had in fact prepared the way for him and for the early church to take the gospel to all nations. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul's in... um, Verse 15 talks about how God set me apart from my mother's womb. That phrase, set me apart, is what the word Pharisee means, the set-apart ones. The Apostle Paul is playing a little bit with words, and he's saying, you Judaizers think you're the set-apart ones. Well, God is the one who set me apart, that he was in fact um, not set apart to religion, but set apart to the true and living God to be faithful to him. God chose Paul before Paul chose Jesus because he's the divine potter and shapes the clay. And just like God knows the Apostle Paul, so God knows us, knows what we'll be like. He knows our thoughts. He knows our secrets. He knows our backgrounds. He knows our strengths and weaknesses, our struggles and issues. And he knows the plans that he has for us. And it's amazing how God, in grace and love, reaches out to us and includes us. Our Heavenly Father part of the, invites us to be part of the royal family that are not just forgiven for sins but actually adopted into the family and then required or asked to be a partner in the ongoing work of the gospel. It's amazing how God works in us and for us and through us that he might reach others what was the effect and the result of Paul meeting the Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road well he tells us in verse 16 that he did not immediately consult um, with any human being in fact verse 17 I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was but I went to Arabia later I returned to Damascus so what happened I didn't consult anyone nobody shared the gospel with me before I became a Christian because I was a persecutor nobody would want to talk to me about naming the name of Jesus because I would have arrested them so nobody told me the gospel before I met Jesus and when I met Jesus on the Damascus Road I was dramatically uh, converted and suddenly changed Um, and so there was no need for somebody to explain the gospel to me afterwards and in fact I went off to Arabia for three years to be taught by the Lord Jesus himself. I didn't go to Jerusalem. I didn't go to the apostles. I didn't go to consult with them and to check my message, the gospel, against what they had been taught because God himself had taught me. This is a a unique experience. Paul is saying, I did what God told me to do. I preached what he told me to preach and I went where he told me to go. So here are these judaizers accusing the apostle paul of having a second-hand gospel of having a watered down version of the gospel and paul is saying quite the contrary Uh, the gospel i have comes directly from the lord jesus just like the gospel that the 12 had that came from him and we like paul have been redeemed so that we can talk about proclaim our redeemer to others and you've got to like god's sense of humor the apostle paul hated the Gentiles hated the people who were not Jewish hated the Christians and when God saves him he said Paul got a job for you I want you to go and talk to the Gentiles I want you to present my love and grace to them Paul submissively goes and has a very successful ministry in verse 17 he tells us that he did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was notice what he's saying to see those who were apostles before I was, Paul is saying, I am an apostle. There are apostles before me, but I am an equal apostle like them. And so I didn't go to consult with them. I went, did my seminary course with God in the desert. I was led by the spirit, searched the word of God, just like the two on the Emmaus road, I guess. And the Lord Jesus is central to my message. He then goes on to say, after three years, verse 18, I did go up to Jerusalem. I went to get acquainted with Cephas, with Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. If you read the book of Acts chapter 9, the reason he went to Jerusalem was because they were going to assassinate him in Damascus. And so he was basically fleeing for his life, which was a sensible thing to do. Jesus said, if they persecute you in one city, go to another. And that's what the apostle Paul did. So when he went to Jerusalem, He didn't meet with the 12, they were probably out ministering or somewhere else. The only apostle he met with was the chief one, that was Peter, the lead apostle, if you like. And I spent 15 days with him, uh, getting acquainted with him. What was he like as a person? What was his message? What was his experiences of Jesus? And he said, and there was another person that I met. I saw no other apostle except James, verse 19, the Lord's brother. He's the one who wrote our letter of James I assure you before God that's what I'm done what I'm writing to you is no lie that's an interesting phrase I'll we'll come back to that in a moment notice he meets two people Peter and James and in 1 Corinthians 15 when he talks about I passed on to you what I received from the Lord and he gives a list of people or appearances of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus he names two people only he names Peter and he names James hence he clearly spoke to them about their experience of experiencing Jesus post resurrection um, in verse 20 I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie is a legal expression It's Paul throwing down the gauntlet the Galatian Christians would have clearly understood what he was saying everything I am declaring to you is the truth I have evidence that I can back it up with and if necessary to appear before a judge in a court I can quite easily defend myself if you want to take this any further. He's using legal language, almost a legal threat, to declare the truthfulness of what he is writing here. Um, And then what happens from there on? He says, then I went from Jerusalem, that visit where I met Peter, well, then I went back to my hometown. I went back to Cilicia and Syria said I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ they heard about me but if they saw me they wouldn't have recognized me they didn't know me they only heard the report that the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they praise God because of me the wolf has become the Shepherd he's been changed what changed him the gospel of the Lord Jesus jesus makes all the difference the gospel of jesus changes lives and the outflow of that is that other people will notice and they will give thanks to god they will praise god which is exactly what jesus says to us let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven god had been working in the apostle paul's life and he indeed wants to work in our life so where does the gospel come from from direct revelation from god himself From the Lord Jesus to his apostles and from the apostles through the scriptures now down to us. This is the true gospel. In Christ alone, by faith alone, plus nothing. Jesus alone. No need to get circumcised, no need to keep the Sabbath, no need to worship on Saturdays, no need to do any of these other things that people add to the gospel. The gospel is God's good news for man, not Man's good news about God. What does the gospel do? It changes lives. It transforms us into passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. Um, what do we learn and derive from this passage? We learn verse 10 we are to aim at pleasing God, not pleasing people. Verses 11 and 12 the gospel that we know and love and have experienced is true and has a divine origin. It's not a man-made religion. It's the truth. It's about the one who said he is the way, the truth, and the life. God transforms our life. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor and a hater. He was on a track where he was very religious and very successful, but very wrong. And the gospel enlightened him and changed him. And that's what God wants to do in our life. God had prepared the Apostle Paul, so God is preparing us. God worked in the Apostle Paul, God is working in us. And he calls us, like he did Paul, to be completely devoted, passionate followers of the Lord Jesus, fully available to him. We have been saved to serve. God didn't save us just to get us out of hell and into heaven. He saved us that we might serve him. We have been redeemed in order that we might proclaim the Redeemer, to share that with other people. particularly our family with our friends and those who are close to us but then to anyone as God prompts us to be obedient to him God's life-changing gospel let's pray together Heavenly Father we acknowledge and are grateful for the gospel that the gospel is from you it's good news from you for us thank you Lord that you have saved us And we acknowledge that you have saved us for a purpose, to serve you, to honor you. And this passage teaches us that you can save anybody. You can save the most unlikely. Lord, help us to be faithful and to continue to pray on for the salvation of our loved ones. And we've been reminded, Lord, that you know us. As you prepared the Apostle Paul, so you are preparing us. You know all about us, our thoughts and our strengths, our weaknesses, our talents, our gifts. Lord, fill us with your spirit, indwell us and work through us in each of our life's circumstances. We are reminded we live not in a playground, but in a battleground. There is an evil one about who seeks to harm us and to distort the gospel message. Help us to stand true and strong, faithful to the gospel message lead us by your spirit help us to search your word and in all things for the lord jesus to be central preeminent and supreme in our lives for his glory we pray in his name amen